This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. Uh, got a wonderful guest, a first time guest, and then a very exciting book. We've got author Brandon Wainwright coming on. He's going to talk to us about his book, Tyson's Gift How an Eight Pound Canine Became a Man's Greatest Spiritual Guide. So, this is right up my alley, as everybody knows. So, I look forward to talking to Brandon a little bit about uh, the book and his journey. And uh, yeah, we'll sort of take it from there. So, everybody uh, hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, joining me now is author Brandon Wainwright and his new book, Tyson's Gift, How an Eight-Pound Canine Became a Man's Greatest Spiritual Guide. Brandon, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love the uh, reading through the book and, and the journey and uh, getting to know your dog and some of the other uh, animals in the book and everything. So tell me a little bit about, first of all, your spiritual guide and what exactly does that mean? How does your canine become your spiritual guide? Tyson was a, a really special dog in, in the sense that it, a special dog would be special to a lot of people. He came into my life actually at a time when my wife and I were just getting engaged and I had a lot of kind of baggage animals. I had a, a number of them taken away, dogs specifically taken away from me as a child. And he helped me to heal up over those, those losses. Um, and we grew close very quickly, although he put me through the ringer in order to win over his trust. It took me about two months to really win him over, which I can't even believe it took that long as it ended up being. So in life, he opened my heart up in a, in a way that it hadn't been opened up since I you know, was a child. And then when he passed away, that's when the real spiritual awakening took place. I just, you know, I, at the time I was in my mid forties and I had had plenty of loss in my life, just like anybody at that age, plenty of loved ones pass away, even other animals, but I wasn't ready for losing him. I didn't have a any kind of reflect on, and I just, I couldn't make peace. So I, I found myself on a spiritual search. And in the process, I story short, I ended up communicating with Tyson from the other side through uh, animal communicators, which which you know all so well, and it, and also spiritual mediums that special just any soul. And through that process, I found that just it was just definitive for me. The things that the messages that were communicated and the facts that were communicated about his life and and our life together, it was just so specific that that I I couldn't deny the existence of the he really was communicating with me. And so that once that and I was, it was still about him, but 
I started to want to learn more about just spirit and and so it, I went forward from there and ended up learning Reiki, which I know you're a Reiki master. And at this point, I've become a Reiki master. And it's just really opened up my whole life on a spiritual level and given me so much peace. I can't, I, I'm just so thankful for it. Yeah. And for those, uh, for the audience listening, once they pick up the book, they'll get a nice, uh, wonderful picture of, uh, of Tyson, but I, I love Tyson. He's got his little Tyson cape on like a little Superman. So he's a yeah. chihuahua, chihuahua. So that's a very yeah. cool dude. Chihuahua dachshund mix. He was oh, chihuahua three, three quarters chihuahua, quarter dachshund. So he had, <laughs> I'm sure was, he reminded you of that every day. He had, he had a, it was a perfect mix. So when you, uh, before all this happened, you know, you said you, you sort of, I'm assuming part of the grieving process, trying to understand it and, and connect with him. Do you feel you were a very spiritual person before this or religious person or somewhere uh, like most of us in, we'll say in our forties uh, that uh, are still trying to figure it all out? I would say that I was spiritual, but I didn't have any specific beliefs or even it wasn't something that I, I really, I thought I would have told you that I was spiritual, but at the time, I, the reality is was, I wasn't really paying all that much attention to it. I had, in terms of religion, I was raised in an agnostic household. So I would say, especially my dad was spiritual, but not, there was no structure to it. We never went to church, uh, except for a real brief period when I was in high school. And so I, I didn't have that background, although I, I did try religion on a number of different times. I I tried several different religions and I, none of them really took, I wanted to be a part of them. I wanted to be a part of this, the spiritual communities. And, and I just, but I couldn't buy into the specific beliefs of each of them. And so I, and I struggled mightily too, because at one point I, I was engaged to a, a woman who was very religious and, and ultimately the fact that I wouldn't convert although I did try to convert, um, it caused us to break up. So it wasn't anything that I was unfamiliar with, but I had come to a place where I had just accepted that I, I didn't know what it, what was out there for sure. I knew, I believed that there was something and, but I didn't have any specific belief about it. And I was okay with that. I had just come to the conclusion that I was never going to know and that's okay. And I shouldn't be down on myself about that. But you know, when, when Tyson passed away, I, and the thing is, as I processed through this, it, it was very organic. I didn't think of it consciously until, well, it took a couple of days of, of grieving before I realized that, that I was struggling with making peace with where he was at. And that was really what initially sparked the whole thing and got me reading the books that I read that you know kind of gave me lift off, if you will. And that's part of that overall healing process. You know, I do, uh, in addition to the Reiki master work and communicating with animals and lost animal work, a uh, big part of, of what I do for clients and their animals is the, you know, uh, the process of what happens when an animal is, uh, how do you know when it's time for the animal and what are their wishes when that time is to transition? And then how do you process it afterwards? Because it's our human nature to beat ourselves up over everything. Uh, whether we think we're the most enlightened person in the world or, or Zen person in the world, we're, we're not because we're always going to beat ourselves up. And especially when it comes to our animals, because uh, unless you open yourself up to be able to connect with them and communicate with them, you don't know. And so afterwards, you know, it's very common to say, you know, did I do the right thing? Did I do it too soon to, you know, after where's he, is he at, is he going to come back around? Um, you know, uh, did I do too much? Did I do too little? So all these things and part of uh, that whole grieving process is there, there's really no timeline. It, it's your journey and it's your process. And, 
you have to go through what makes you uh, whole and heal and uh, turns those sad tears into happy tears. And, you know, and that's, that's the thing I, I always try to relate to people. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely an individual process. Fortunately for us, uh, you know, with, with Tyson, uh, he had a, a brain tumor that we had, you know, tried to deal with for not actually it only, it was only maybe about four months ultimately that we were really dealing with it on a acute level. So, but it was very clear that it was the right thing. We didn't struggle with that decision. It was just a matter of, you know, dealing with it, dealing with the the whole process of it. So, uh, but, but, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, here it is, he passed away on uh, August uh, 8, uh, 19th, 2000, or no, not August, April 19th, 2018. So, um, you know, here it is over two years later and I'm um, actually, yeah, shoot, time flies. Um, and I, I had a book signing over the weekend. And, and so I had a big poster up of, you know, of the book cover and Tyson's there looking back at me as I'm, as I'm reading, you know, pages from the, from the book. And I, I found, I looked into his eyes on the poster and I, it made me get a little melancholy even now. Yeah. So, so it's still processing even now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you're, when you're on this journey and you're trying to make sense of it all and you're reading books and you're contacting, I'm assuming before this, you had not really thought much or having contacted, you know, animal communicators and spiritual guides and healing masters, or was that part of uh, something you had done for yourself or others, Larry? No, not at all. I, to be honest with you, I didn't even, I didn't even know about them. Uh, I read the book Animals and the Afterlife by mm-hmm. Kim Sheridan. Kim, Kim. And, and I, it's, the reason I read the book was because I realized that I was struggling with making peace with him in the afterlife. So I went on Amazon and I punched in Animals in the Afterlife specifically, and that title came up. And so <laughs> and I, I wasn't looking for necessarily any answers. I was just looking for some peace of mind that even if it was fiction, I was just looking for something that made me feel better. And in the book, as you know, I'm sure you've read it. Um, sure. It it had all these these real life um, experiences that she had had with animal communicators, reincarnation of different pets that she had had, and it was so compelling that I I thought, well, either she's literally crazy or this is true, and it's really worth checking into. At first, the thing that motivated me the most was the idea that I could get him to come back to me. You know, I wanted to, and I, I pretty much begged him to when I when I had my sessions, <laughs> which you know I know any any spiritual metaphysician will tell you that they're not going to come back if it's not part of you know in in their spiritual right. uh, best interests. Um, but still, I. I, I was just asked, begged him, you know, if it's, if it's good for you, it would be good for me. So please come back. But then, you know, in the process, I, I found that there was a whole new spiritual world out there that I just hadn't really connected with. And it was something that I really, really wanted to pursue. So the pain, the motivation of that pain really brought me into a, a whole exciting new world. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think during this, I mean, was there one aha, big aha moment, or was it a collection of, uh, you know, reading the the books and the material and talking to various people and, and doing their readings and, and consulting with those that uh, do this on a regular basis with a collection of things? It, it was, you know, it was definitely a collection of things because I was, you know, I'm, I'm a police officer by trade. I, I, so, you know, I'm not, not that I'm, closed-minded or anything, but definitely I was skeptical of, of all things. I, I was open and I actually wanted to believe in, in it because I wanted to believe that 
that Tyson, you know, was still there. Um, and, but I, but I wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be something I was going to allow myself to just jump into out of desperation, out of emotional desperation. It was going to have to be something that, that, that it was at least to some extent proven to me. And so the first session, well, I, I had a couple animal, animal communicator sessions where it really didn't convince me, actually. They were great, but they weren't specific enough to him to convince me, which, you know, as I was going through that process, thinking, well, what did you expect? You know, it's not, their job isn't to convince you. So, uh, right. but when I, when I got to the third one, I told, I told Lee Sandy Casca, um, she's in the book, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm open, but I am skeptical. And the first two sessions didn't really knock my socks off. If anything, they left me more skeptical. So that what ended up happening with that one was that she, she was so just amazing. She described my relationship with him, my wife's relationship with him, my daughter's relationship with him. My wife's and I, ours were subtly different, but, but they were different nonetheless. And she hit, hit a nail on the head when she described it. And my daughter's was definitely very specific. And so I was like, whoa. This, there's no way you could know this unless you were like, like part of our family. And then Tyson had a bum leg. And so I, I asked her about his leg and she right away said, oh, his rear right leg. Right. And she knew she described to me what she believed was going on based on, on what he was telling her. And it made so much sense. And so I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was fully convinced at that point, but I was, that was the first time that I really felt myself believe because I felt it in my, my gut. That this right, was real, right. you know, and, and it was so convincing. After that, I I had a, a session. It kind of unfolded, and I explain all this in the book. But it, I had a session with a medium, spiritual medium, who's since become a friend of mine. Extremely talented, but not not somebody. And by the way, the, the, the first one, like you, she found herself doing this stuff late in life, so she actually still practices law. So this <laughs> isn't like this isn't somebody that that decided to do this because she was trying to escape reality or trying to, you know, a charlatan of some kind, this is something that called to her and the medium, she's a, an interior designer who has her own firm and still has her own firm. Although she's become doing more and more of this stuff, but she always had the gift and she kept it in the closet though, because she was afraid of ridicule and it just kind of exploded in her. And she was referred to me by a friend of mine. And, and when I went for that session, I just, I did it mostly out of curiosity and just as a, in the spirit of exploration. And in that session, I, I communicated with my grandmother, my uncle, my aunt, and my, and Tyson. And the communication with Tyson was even more specific than it had been way, it was way more convincing than, than the first one. And my uncle and my grandma passed away when I was 16. You know, so I, they weren't even on my radar, to be honest with you. I wasn't even, not that I didn't still love them and think of them from time to time, but I wasn't looking to connect with them. I figured they were wherever they are now, you know, probably in a whole other realm. Um, right. And I think at that point, that portal had been open, you know, that, and that's why I tell people about, you know, especially from the animal communication side is when that portal opens up, when you, when you open yourself up to accepting uh, what you see, feel, hear, taste, smell, these type of things, especially from uh, the animals, in my case, that's the perfect portal for them to communicate. They're waiting for that. You know, they want to have an opportunity to be able to communicate with their human companions to answer questions or share things with them. And 
the thing I always cautious, ca- I wouldn't say caution, that's probably too harsh of a word, but if you're going into this, especially if you're uh, doing your first communication session, open yourself up and don't go in with any particular expectations. And and really, the whether it's communicator or medium or, or uh, whatever uh, they practice, they're receiving information and working as a conduit between you and whoever they're communicating with or, or your animal in particular. So, you know, your animal in this case may not tell you that the favorite bone was, uh, you know, a pink play bone. That may not even be important to them, but they may share that just to let you know that, yeah, that's me. That's, that's me at, you know, I'll tell you which one of the, the play toys I like the best. That way you'll know it's me. And then I can tell you some things that I really want to tell you. So I always tell people to open themselves up to it. And because if you go into anything, it's just like life. If you go anything with uh, your guards up, then you'll never be able to feel anything. You'll never be able to, to accept anything that comes your way. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I would say that my, I wouldn't say my guard was up, but I definitely was, was, was skeptical. And that's, you know, I, I had a lot of misconceptions about what, what a, a spiritual medium or intuitive, how they received information too. I, I pictured it being very, like, basically they're watching a, you know, a high definition movie and, and it's very precise and everything should come through. But, the, but I've come to realize through my own practices and through, I've, I've also done quite a few, you know, sessions since uh, along the way. And every intuitive has a gift of a certain gift and they all have different levels of ability. And they have their own ways that they see the world. You know, some are very visual, some are very auditory and you can't, you have to, like you said, you have to go into it with a very open mind and, and take what's given because maybe at that point, you're not meant to hear certain things mm-hmm. that you would like to hear, you know? Exactly. Uh, so, so, yeah, I wish I had known that when I went in because it would have made, it made the, would have made them process so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now you're talking about, uh, you mentioned that you're a police officer. And uh, had you tried to hide or downplay your spiritual journey until the, the book came out? Or were you uh, open with your colleagues and, and even friends and family? And if so, how did they or how are, how are they processing it now? No, I've, I've always been very open about it. Once I started down, you know, the things that were happening to me were so, when you believe that this is the truth and you're experiencing these, at least for me, I had no compulsion to to hide it. It was so exciting and so uplifting and it was bringing me so much peace. I, I actually, I was trying to share it with everybody I could. And yeah, you know, uh, family members, some of them mildly skeptical, uh, but not in a ridiculing kind of way. My immediate family, my wife and daughter definitely were, have always been very supportive. And especially once I started doing Reiki, my wife is my biggest customer. <laughs> and, and even my daughter comes to me and asks me for it. You know, she's only 12 at this point. So, you know, but then my police colleagues, I think they probably make fun of me behind my back, but not in a malicious kind of way. But I've had quite a few different experiences with them where I've offered them Reiki and and worked on them and had them like kind of dumbfounded, you know. And so they definitely, quite a few of them are very open to it. Even the ones that are that kind of look at me with the raised eyebrow, it, it's not it's not that they don't believe it's just that they've never had any of those experiences themselves, at least not that they're conscious of. And, and so they, you know, they don't, they don't put me down. Fortunately, I, you know, I've been a cop for a while, so they, I'm not brand new. So then I think that I'm some weirdo that they can't trust, you know, <laughs> no, no hazing, no rookie hazing here. <laughs> no, yeah. So no, I actually, you know, it's, I, my personality is such that I, when I'm really passionate about something, I, you know, I spe- when I believe it's true, I'm not afraid to shout it from the mouth 
mountaintops. But when some, I'll admit, when somebody looks at me like like their their eyes are crossing, it's a little bit discouraging. But you know, I still keep it up. You know, you hit it right on the head. You know, it's it's a journey. You know, everybody has their own journey, and and we resonate and uh, vibrate at our own level. And there's no level that's higher or lower. We just vibrate at our own uh, level. So things that resonate with you may not resonate with me, and we find commonalities. But mm-hmm. like you had mentioned, things, especially those that are wanting to communicate with their loved ones and their animals that have passed, those that need Reiki. Reiki's been around for thousands of years, and it's now you know, becoming better and better known. It's being t- uh, practiced and taught at major hospitals and universities. So, you know, it's not a new thing. It's just uh, it hasn't had a lot of pub, you know, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. It's getting here. But the key thing is once you you open yourself up to it and you try it and you see the benefits of it and then you realize, wait a minute, yeah, this isn't so crazy any after all. And actually, you know, it makes me feel a lot better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's changed a lot too uh, over the years. You know, I've been doing this for 17 years now. There's others who have been doing it longer than this as far as the animal communication part of it. And, you know, when I even first started, it was, you know, a lot of skepticism, a lot of uh, uh, people you know, raising eyebrows, some people coming. And the reason I asked that question was, you know, uh, when I said I was going to leave corporate America, this, you know, executive level job after 20 years to do this full time, people were trying to process it. And there were uh, friends and friends that uh, no longer were friends because they couldn't vibrate at that level and couldn't accept that. But guess what? It opened up the door to more and greater friends that were uh, at the right vibration for me at that time. And then uh, family members, same thing. You know, it's uh, they're like, okay, well, some can accept it. And some are like, well, okay, I'll just call you a dog trainer or I'll, I'll call mm-hmm. you the, yeah. Yeah, the dog whisperer, like the guy on the TV. Yeah, that's how I'll process it. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you process it. Hey, you want to process it. I'm just here to help the uh, animals and their human companions. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing when you when you see how much good it's bringing, it kind of it, it it overrides any of your the letdown that you're having from different shifts that are happening in your life. I think that's it. It's like one of those things like you've seen the truth, and now it's like, why well, I, I can't? There's no turning back now. Yeah, there you, know? you go. There you go. And that's 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 the path you're on. That's what's resonating with you. So that's very cool. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll come back right after this and continue our conversation with Brandon Wainwright. Talk to a little bit more about uh, the book Tyson's Gift. Also want to talk to Brandon a little bit about writing, writing the book and getting it published. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy, 
and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continue our conversation with uh, author Brandon Wainwright and his uh, book and memoir, uh, Tyson's Gift, How an Eight-Pound Canine Became a Man's Greatest Spiritual Guide. Now, Brandon, when putting together the book and going through this journey, and people pick up a copy of the book, what do you hope they gain from it? What's uh, the one or, or more walkaways you hope that they uh, get from the book? Well, first off, I, I hope that they, you know, about half the book is written in a very Marley and me kind of fashion where it's telling the story from my point of view of Tyson's life. And Tyson was a real character, you know, so he had a lot of different antics that he did throughout his life. You know, I think his life was very uplifting. And I think people enjoy that part of it. Um, a- animal lovers anyway, you know, the, any, anybody that ever had a pet, I think will be able to relate to that. But beyond that, the main thing that, that I'm hoping people walk away, at least with the, some compelling thought about it is that we live on, you know, this really, this, it's not some abstract idea that you, when you pass away, you know, you go to heaven, whatever that means, or you're, you know, that you're in a better place now. I think when people say that they believe it, but I think it's, it's such an abstract idea when you really stop and think about it, honestly, that, that it doesn't bring the kind of peace that it could. And I think when you have experiences like the ones I describe in the book, you start to really realize in no uncertain terms that the reality is that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, not the other way around. And, and that's what I, I hope that people will walk away believing and, and understanding. And if at least I always tell people that if you read animals and the afterlife, those, the stories in there are, are just as compelling as, as my stories, but, and they were enough to make me want to, you know, go on my own journey, but there's a big difference between reading about it and experiencing it for yourself. So I hope it will motivate people to, you know, open themselves up to, to exploring this a little bit. I mean, there, there's more than ever, there's places and people, you know, for you to connect with that, that have lots of experience with it. And that's one thing that I've found through my process is that this isn't as underground as people want to believe, you know, there's people all over the place that either have had experiences like this, that they're not sure what to do with, or people that are very conscious of it and know exactly what's going on. The more people I talk to about it and share with, the more I find that this understanding and this spiritual awakening is is happening throughout the world and in our communities right under our nose, you know. And so I hope people will, it'll kind of give them a push to go on their own journey and find their own peace. Very good. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, let's talk about writing the book. Now, I'm assuming this is your first uh, published book. Yep, <laughs> sure is. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find that whole process from uh, sitting down and putting all this into some sort of uh, a form that people could could and want to read to the whole uh, editing process and then getting it published and getting it promoted? I was thinking the uh, the experiences were so life-changing for me that I was thinking, man, this would make a, this would make a really good book. 
you know, or even a movie or something someday. You know, I, I talk about it very briefly in the book, but I did, I worked in the, in the film industry for a little bit. That's what I went to college for originally was to, I wanted to direct movies, you know? And so that's what I was thinking, but it was more, it was just an idea. And actually my first Reiki teacher told me that she believed that it was very important that I write a book about Tyson and me. Like it was, I mean, it was, she said, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a big part of your life mission is to write this book, which, you know, it was very affirming because I, well, then I'm definitely going to write it because I was already kind of thinking about it. But initially it was really daunting. I thought I've had these compelling experiences, but is it enough that's going to, people are going to want to read about it? I mean, I'm nothing special. Some people might like it, but I've read enough books now to understand that this is, that there's lots of people that have these experiences. And, and so I thought, well, you know, Tyson, because as I was saying before, I wanted him to come back. And I, and at that point, based on the different readings that I had had and such, and different experiences that I had had, I believed that he was going to reincarnate. And I thought, well, I'm not going to, I finally gave up trying to write the book because I just was having trouble getting started on it. I decided, well, I'll write it when he comes back because then I'll have a whole complete story. And um, another spiritual teacher that I ended up connecting with later told me, oh no, you have everything you need right now to write that book. And in fact, she went as far as to say that Tim, when he comes back, that'll be book two. And so I kind of, you know, I I definitely, this is something that I probably wouldn't have done on my own without these influences, to be honest with you. I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have had the courage, I don't think, it, it, I, to, to start it because it would have. I wouldn't have believed in that it was going to come out right if, at that point without their push. But I took it to heart and I, I sat down and I just, I didn't even outline it. I just sat down, had faith, you know, meditated before most of the set writing sessions that I did and asked for guidance and, um, and asked for Tyson to help me. And, uh, and I just, just wrote and I, and it, it just flowed once I got started on it and I started just telling the story, it just, it flowed very well. It wasn't, it really wasn't hard at all, especially the part the telling the story of his life. I took a lot of pleasure in it, actually. It, you know, it was a, it was a very uh, cathartic experience and I was taking a lot of joy in memorializing his life too, you know, because it'll be there for posterity. The harder part came when he passed away. I even, I cried when I was writing the chapter, it was really hard, but once I, you know, describing all the experiences that I had. And, and when I, but as I was doing it, it was like, well, actually this is, this is some pretty good stuff. You know, he doesn't have to come back. This is good enough on its own. And um, you already know what the punchline is at the end. So maybe I, I probably should save that for now, but uh, <laughs> that's right. Th- there is a bit of an epilogue after you know, I finished the book and then I had to make an addendum later. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the writing part really wasn't as hard, near as hard as I thought it was going to be. I'd written, an, you know, quite a, not, I shouldn't say quite a few, but a number of movie scripts over the years. And, you know, I can type pretty fast. So that process isn't hard. And I write regularly for work, although it's a different type of writing. So it wasn't as hard as I thought, but the publishing part. Yeah, that was, that was way more difficult because I didn't have any, I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing, to be honest with you. I started sending the manuscript out to whatever publishers I thought might be interested in this type of subject matter. And um, long story short, I wasn't getting too far. I had a couple offers for hybrid publishing offers, mm-hmm. one of which was, I think, very legitimate, but it was going to cost me a lot in order to do it. And, it, and the guy that this, their, their representative finally told me, he says, you know what, if I were you, I would go, I would do this on a more, do a more self-published route because you're not going to make money on this. And I don't want you to get, end up, you know, 
being financially messed up from it. So, which was pretty darn honorable because they were really interested in the book too. And then, and there was another hybrid company that within, I I was all excited because that was the first contract I received and I was all flattered and everything, but I got an attorney to go through the contract and found that it was very much less than favorable to me. (laughs) Uh, And I was advised to turn the contract down unless they made some pretty reasonable changes and they refused. So I I let that one go. And ultimately just through a very, I think it was very serendipitous. I found a a self-publishing publishing publishing company. So they, um, Glass Spider Publishing, wonderful people, very skilled. They did a wonderful job. And it's a professional publisher, so he helped. He did the editing for me, did the layout. I had I, I would me and a and a friend of mine. We we designed the cover together. He did all the actual um, graphics design, but but the actual layout and everything. I actually actually I should say Tyson helped too. You'll have to read about there that. You go. There you um, go. <laughs> uh, but but as far as as the the end result of the book, I think it came out. I don't think I it, I could have asked for it. A better job than what what Glass Spider did, uh, Vince Font, the the owner, I and mean, they they just did a wonderful job and gave me a lot of input as to how they believed I should try to get this out there, and and so you know, but this took this from the time I started looking until the time I I decided that they were going to be my publisher. It was like eight months, I think, seven or eight months, and so it, you know, it was a it was very much a, a process of just kind of learning the hard way, and once it's out, now I'm just you know, slowly trying to get it out there. And, and I'm taking, you know, I like the, the place I buy my vitamins, vitamin store, they've got it on for sale. And it's there actually, it's actually sold there because I think it's like-minded people, you know, there you go. stuff there like you go. that. So I'm, ho- I'm hoping word of mouth will, will get it to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it's changed a lot over the years, you know, in, in entertainment in general, just has changed so much over the years. You know, we, in the TV and uh, movie industry, look at the changes from uh, streaming being this this weird thing that is a fantasy world. Now streaming dominates you know, more than cable, and it's the same thing with publishing. You know, uh, self publishing years and years ago was like, oh, okay, well that that's not a reputable book. To now, it's a very reputable way to get your message out and you promote it. So it, it's one of those things where you have to uh, decide what you want from the book. What's the message? And how do you want to get the message out there? And uh, uh, that doesn't always mean that uh, you have to find an agent and uh, have them, you know, spend a week promoting your book and then move you on to the next one. Yeah, so. I, I think I think in the long haul, when 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 I get through all this, and it, it, I'll look back on it and say that this was really the best way for it to happen. But it has been a little bit daunting. I will, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've so enjoyed it. It's yeah. You know, I, even it's in that slow lift off right now, but I've had enough input from people where where they tell me how much it's helped them, and even like I've got friends that I've reconnected with from high school that that read it and reached out to me, and so I know it's 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 making its mark. It's there. just, it, but it's just the more mark, the more you hear about that, the more you want it to make a mark. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I always tell people the cool thing is you know write a write a book, write a story, publish it because once it's published, it's in the Library of Congress. You've made your mark. It's there forever, for eternity. So uh, just like this book, Tyson's Gift is now there for eternity and hopefully on everybody's bookshelf. So everybody go pick up a copy of uh, Tyson's Gift 
how an eight-pound canine became man's greatest spiritual guide. Uh, Brandon, how can uh, people find out more about you and follow uh, what's going on with the book and uh, your journey with Tyson? Uh, the best way is to go to tysonsgift.com, T-Y-S-O-N-S-G-I-F-T.com. Um, that's, that's my webpage, and you can read all about the book. There's a link there that takes you to Amazon, to the Amazon page where you can buy it. It's also on barnesandnoble.com and, and a number of other booksellers. That would probably be the easiest way. And people can also, if they choose to, they can reach out to me through that, that there's a, a contact us page on there and they can email me if they want to. Very good. But that's, that's the simplest is tysonsgift.com. All right. Sounds great. Well, everybody definitely go out and pick up a copy of the book, Tyson's Gift, How an Eight-Pound Canine Became a Man's Greatest Spiritual Guide by Brandon Wainwright. Brandon, hey, congratulations on the book. Uh, next time you chat with Tyson, tell him I said, hey, and uh, I'll look forward to chatting with you somewhere down the road. Reach out yourself. that's right i can do that i can do that all right my friend i appreciate that very much so uh good luck with everything and we'll uh talk to you somewhere down the road okay tim thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it thank you well we're uh, coming to end the show today i want to thank everyone for listening to animal rights on pet life radio want to thank the uh, producers and sponsors for making this show possible so if you have any questions comments ideas for the show drop us a line at petliferadio.com and while you're there check out all the other wonderful uh, hosts and shows it's a cornucopia of great animal t- uh, entertainment so everybody will enjoy that it's at petliferadio.com so until next time write a great story about the animals in your life put in a book a blog an article and who knows You may be the next guest on Animal Rights Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.